The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello and welcome to Podcast Beyond, episode 812. <laughs> I'm Rose right. Max Scoville. I'm going to do my best to keep this thing on the rails. I'm joined today by a couple of real snickerpusses, Brian Altano <laughs> and Jada Griffin. I'm the snicker. And joining us from far away in the land of also giggles, apparently, is Mitchell Saltzman. Everyone's going to have a very serious, distinguished, good business-like time. We're going to have serious oh. talks, talk about PlayStation, about video games. We're going to be very serious. Yes. Do some real oh. journalism here. So. Max Max went to shoot the intro and then he boffed it and he said the show name wrong and then we just laughed for like four minutes straight because we're good friends and nice people. Oh, yes. And we still haven't gotten the giggles out. So yeah, that's what you've been on the show in like a six weeks or something and you just decide to show up and just razz me. Just razz me, <laughs> me. Oh, heavens. Um, no, we're off to a good start. This is fun. Yes. I honestly, this, this is going to be, we're in a very strange spot right now because Gamescom is happening next week. Uh, Brian and I get on an airplane on Friday morning. We're going to be in Germany for 10 days. We're going to be scrambling around doing all sorts of crazy big time coverage. Sony is not officially in attendance. I feel like maybe they're going to drop some kind of announcement during this time period, but there's definitely going to be tons of big, huge, like, you know, cross platform third party games showing stuff off. I'm excited. I hope there's, you know, cool stuff during uh, opening night live. Uh, yeah, I'm, it's, it's going to be fun. But again, we're a little bit frazzled because of that. Um, now, in the meantime, we do have some cool stuff to talk about. Mitchell, you got a chance to do a big, huge IGN first about Lords of the Fallen, which is definitely one of my most anticipated games of the year. Yeah. You two are both big time FromSoft Souls-like people. And I, f- I feel like, Brian, I feel like you're not giving this game a fair shake. I, I, what, we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into it. What, what, don't it. put this on me. I, that, I'm, okay. I'm razzing you. I'm going to razz you. I'm going to get you. <laughs> he's afraid of He's afraid of the umbrella Brian, why aren't you giving it a fair shake? What is going on? What is this <laughs> Brian's afraid of the umbrella right. eye. I'm giving I'm, I'll, I'll shake it fair. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to get into that in a second. We're going to do that. We're going to have that conversation about that and then make sure we have a nice clean intro and outro so we can clip it out and make sense in some capacity. Before that, uh, something that just dropped before we went live, a little tidbit of news is uh, some details about Spider-Man 2's accessibility features. And they added one really cool one, which I think is it totally fits. Like, I feel like often, mm-hmm. you know, people look at accessibility stuff and it, you know, it's like it doesn't break the game, but it changes the experience in a way that maybe like... Like, I think Forza Horizon had this same feature, which was being able to slow down the gameplay. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just makes it so you have more time to do inputs and control it. And, like, controlling a car in slow motion is sort of, I feel like that's, you know, it's great if it makes it easier for people to play the game. That's awesome. But it also is sort of a, uh, 
I don't know. It doesn't really. It doesn't make sense. In the the, the whole thrill of the game is going fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the case of Spider Man, I feel like it is spot on because it's like having spider like reflexes. Like yep. totally, it feels like that. You know, it feels like that Quicksilver stuff that, that happens in the X Men movies, where it's like you're just everything is going in basically bullet time, and it's you know you're still beating up the the bad guys and stuff and jumping around. You just have more time to you know. Yeah. I'm your so like if you need the accessibility options or like you're a young kid and you want to play uh, mess with it or like the game's too tough or whatever or you just want to play with it like a cool toy the idea of like slowing down combat seems really fun to me and i feel like it's going to get like you're going to get some really awesome video clips out of that one of my favorite things to do in the spider-man games is to jump off the highest point in the entire game and just punch a guy right in the face <laughs> like there's just like, there's always a you go to a place where there's like a gang and then you go flying down and you land and if you can you play like floor is lava right where you just beat up everybody throw manhole covers at their face humanely which apparently doesn't hurt them or kill them but would in real life and then beat the hell out of everybody so the dropping down like the speed to like 30 percent, and they're like no i love that that sounds so fun i think it's gonna be so amazing for photo mode sony yeah. is sony games are fantastic with photo mode especially insomniac games their photo modes are amazing um they're spectacular they're all the other spider-man uh adjectives uh, and so being <laughs> able to neighborhood. they're friendly in neighborhood Ultimate. Um, being able to slow down time to 30% to like get some really cool uh, shots with the photo mode is going to be immaculate I can't yep. I cannot wait no, I think that's that. rad I mean it just, like, it just sounds like like Max Payne you know yeah like, I feel like if they if they introduce this as just like a you know regular old gameplay feature rather than like an accessibility function people will be like oh sick Spider-Man mode or like yeah. you know super spider sense activate like whatever like it's you know it's neat um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll say actually, Sifu is a recent game that kind of did a similar thing where oh, they, yeah. they added a slow motion mode and it makes it feel like the Matrix. I think any game that has uh, a counter system and like really good, uh, you know, reactions to to attacks, it's going to enhance that you know that feeling of being a, a real badass because you're just like slowly moving out of the way of an attack, landing your own, seeing like you know the impact of it. Yep. It, it, it definitely doubles as more than just an accessibility feature. Yeah. yeah. So it's great for like training. Like if you want to get better at like, you know, identifying the frames where you yep. can and can't do something. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, it makes me think of like that, um, you know, in like training mode and fighting games where it shows you the actual frame data next mm -hmm. to you. And it's, you're, you're able to actually, you know, keep track of that. So. I want to slow down when I do that baseball slide underneath those shield sons of oh, you just want to uh, you just want a better view yeah I, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just really want to get a look at what's going on down there <laughs> i want to just really, what are you wanna, working with i want to just really screw up in slow motion you know like you just completely botch a, a thing oh like the brrr. like the quick time events and stuff where you just kind of plops on the ground and just do that in slow yeah, motion I yeah love, i love yeah. when when spider-man Fails. Like I mean, there's that there's that famous like <laughs> clip of uh, was it where you fail a quick time event and that's what I was talking about three, where he's just like jumping into a burning building and it's like bleh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now speaking of things uh, that are uh, flat, maybe flopping, I don't know. We got a leaked video of what is presumably a slim PlayStation Five. We've heard a lot of rumors mm. about this thing, but there is a Twitter account called BWE underscore Dev, which apparently is Better Way Electronics. Uh, Says they're a PhD candidate. Mm. I have I have mm. questions, but they posted a video of someone just holding this newfangled looking PlayStation Five. We would show it, but it might be proprietary stuff that Sony would sue us for. I'm not even sure. It might also be fake. That's very much a possibility. We've seen this kind of stuff happen before, where somebody's like, "Ooh, I 3D printed a Super Switch," and we're like, "Wow, it's real!" And then it's like, "No, it's not." Right. Um, 
The odd thing is this person, either this thing is incredibly light or this person did not, uh, or they're very, very strong, or it's just, it doesn't have any electronics in it. It could just be like a model of the case because they're pretty much holding it and they're moving it back and forth. Like they're, I don't know, looking like at like a game box. Like it looks, mm -hmm. I feel like if it was a full console, like it'd be a little bit heftier. Uh, what about their PhDs in physical education? Yeah. <laughs> sure. What about the gym teachers? What were their did, did <laughs> leaked electronics on the side? Did their hands look real or did it look look like mid journey fingers? I think they 3D printed the hands too, just so they wouldn't get busted, so no one can scan the fingerprints using the the back tracing technology. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. Or it Unity. Exists. Not sure which. <laughs> uh, but no, like I, I guess I, I guess here's the thing. I if, set them up. You knock them down. If this, <laughs> if this is an actual look at what the PlayStation Five Slim is. I am deeply underwhelmed. I am like, I don't know what I expected, but I was hoping for something a little bit better. I'll be honest. I don't like how my PS5 looks. I think it's huge. I think it's ungainly. I don't like the weird wing things. I've been really tempted to get the new, like the other fins where, the, where it's kind of flush. Uh -huh. The fact that it just looks like Sauron's tower was sort of a cool novelty at first, but just seeing it, I'm just like, it's just, it looks like somebody melted a boogie board. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, I, you know, I have, I don't. I don't love it, you know. I don't. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a choice. I appreciate that Sony had some fun with it, but I also wish it was a little bit more. I don't know, just kind of all purpose in terms of design. You, yeah, you can't tell from this artist rendition that we're showing on screen. I'm not sure where this image is sourced from, but um, uh, that actually, those look like those. Uh, I think Red drew. I this. think Red literally just do this. If you're watching the video, yeah, this is Red. Okay, yeah, Red. Yep. This adding is... an IG and watermark. Yep. Okay. Red went ahead and did like a high tech <laughs> rendering using MS Paint. Uh, source. Okay, source. Okay, Sours IGN. So okay. as you can see, the first, the original PlayStation Five is a big, big hunky chunky old thing, and the new one, Red, you forgot the stripe. It's got a stripe. Yeah, it's got a line in the middle of Come it. Come on, the, Red. The after, yeah, yeah. there's the, yeah, that. It's a oh. horizontal line. Yeah, the big thing that supposedly is the case on this is it's going to have a removable disk drive, which. I don't know if that would be sold separately or if that's just a thing if you get mad at it and you want to take it off and put it on a timeout or what. Like, I don't know what the, the point is, but... So, I mean, uh, I, I can tell you the point and I think it's like it's it's pretty cynical and, and ultimately anti-consumer uh, if you care about those things, which you should a little bit. But um, I think that ultimately Sony is trying to funnel all of their R&D into one PlayStation 5 model. And that will be a all-digital model that has a... Uh, optional hard drive that you can pop off, pop off on the side. The difference in the faceplates and hard drive or disk drive? Disk drive. Sorry. Um, thank you for flagging that. Uh -huh. uh, the difference in the faceplates on this one is that they're like segmented, right? So it was it's theoretically in like four pieces rather than two big ones that you can pop off and on. We just saw them starting to sell. Uh, the uh what was it the spider-man plates the spider-man plates the lebron uh james ones like so they're they're finally dipping into that world which is really cool because that's way better than buying a 500 dollars yep. ps5 every time you want a new special edition you get some new plates and a new controller you're good to go um but with this uh there's basically four plates and the one on the bottom right would pop off ultimately have like a little thing underneath that would plug in and then you'd be able to buy a disk drive and plug that in there. So I think what they want to do is they are ultimately trying to funnel all consumers into being all digital mm -hmm. because then they can get 100% of the profits. You can't trade in games. You can't buy games cheap or used. You can only buy games through their store where they get as much money from mm -hmm. you as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you're a physical game collector, uh, this should worry you a little bit because uh, this is the biggest console manufacturer in the world right now and they're moving towards a digital future sure. at a faster pace it's also it i mean it kind of reminds me of the old uh hd dvd drive that came yes. with the, mm -hmm. the 360 where you know it's a, it's an add-on and i think ultimately if you're like hey a ps5 is 400 bucks 
without the disk drive. Yeah. People are going to be like, yeah, I'll buy it. And then if maybe they don't want to spend an extra hundred bucks on a disk drive, then that suddenly seems like a thing that isn't selling and it just gets phased out. And then only yeah. the digital version exists. I don't know. Again, this is a weird leaked video that showed up on somebody's Twitter account, but it, it kind of has me thinking like, what, what, what would you actually want from a, a slip? Like, what is it? What does your perfect one look like? Aside I mean, from that beautiful MS paint drawing. That I, to look at. I'm old school, but I kind of miss when console, uh, mid-generation console redesigns, which I don't necessarily feel were mid-generation in PS, mm -hmm. in PS5, Xbox Series X just yet. Um, were drastically different. I miss that when it was like, I think it, back to like the top loading NES, right? Which came very late in the console's life cycle and was sold like absurdly cheap and had a couple of problems with it. But um, that had a completely different, had that like dog bone shaped controller. Uh, it Instead of having the big mouth <laughs> that you would put games in, it was top loading. It had red buttons on top and it looked interesting. Like the GBA to the GBA SP, right? Mm -hmm. That's um, a huge leap, yeah. The, the PlayStation to the PlayStation Slim, like the original PS1, the, the Pizone. One, right that's, yeah. I mean, that, that's some incredible stuff because it just shows how much how fast like hardware shrank yep. back then because yep. like yeah the original nes is the size of a shoebox and then they shrunk it down to something the size of a, uh, the, a small shoe the 360 that had the front face plates right and yep. the, and the r-rod uh-huh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and there was the slim one yeah and the I slim mean, one. even looking back at the ps3 which is an interesting one in terms of life cycle because that's that's the only one of sony's that had three different yep slightly there's the yeah. super slim version uh I, I love the middle one. That's the one the that I had for was, a while. It yeah. was great. It was it was it felt sturdier. Like it 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 was it was still heavy, but it wasn't it wasn't anywhere near as big of a footprint. It was it, it was more balanced in its dimensions. So yeah. it was a lot easier to kind of find place for it in your entertainment stand. I was kind of hoping that that would be the direction we'd be going here. And then I think I think part of the the sort of appeal with that would be maybe make it a little bit more uh, less less oblong, I guess, less sort of elliptical looking. Which is, yeah, you know, maybe it, uh, you know I. I'll say it. I I like the very boring shapes of the Xbox and the series the Series X and S. Like they're just little boxes. They mm -hmm. they are unobtrusive. They're easy to put in. Uh, you know, assuming the entertainment center is uh, eight inches wide or whatever. If you've got enough room mm -hmm. to shove it in there, it works. But if not, it's like it isn't. You know, it isn't like this this bizarre centerpiece. It actually looks sort of in line with other it's, electronics you might have. I, I haven't yeah. really had an issue with the design, but also my consoles are both behind my TV. So, like, it's I don't have to look at them because I have that space. So, but I totally understand for some people that have it as My dog is like ugly, me. but I never let it in the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, but I, I also understand, like, some people like to have it to show off or what yeah. they want. Especially if you have a nice collector's edition you're getting these collector's faceplates like you want to look at it you yeah. want to look at it it doesn't make like it doesn't make sense that's why i haven't bought any custom plates because sure. my consoles are behind my tv mm -hmm. so it doesn't make sense for you well, alternatively there's i wonder if I, I don't think this would be a thing they do because they just started selling you know custom plates i wonder if they would try to make a version that is just slimmer and it still fits the like the plates still work mm -hmm. on there if you want them to I feel like that's probably not the case. It's Sony. They like proprietary stuff. You know, they duct tape like, will make it work. There was, um, there was melted a little bit. It, it kind of hot with the heat gun. I want to say there was a mid-generation refresh of the 3DS, where uh, it split into two paths, and one of them was larger, and I believe it was the XL, and the other was mm -hmm. had swappable faceplates. Yes, yes. You remember that? That one's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And that one's really cool, but it had a smaller screen, but it was like, oh, this is a proper slimmer system with a with a new function on it. Yeah. And it's hard it's hard to feel anything but and again, this is probably cynical, but it's hard to feel like this this refresh uh, exists for any reason but to save Sony money on parts. 
Like I, I, I don't necessarily feel like the consumer is getting something that's necessarily slimmer or smaller. It doesn't look, I mean, you can hold it in one hand, which is, I, I don't know if I would feel comfortable doing that with the PS5 currently. The guy in the video is just like spinning it like this back and forth. And I'm like, all right, well, that's gotta be a little lighter. But um, in, in terms of like, the customization stuff on it, you, the faceplates are like they would, again, it's got a segment in it, so you'd need four of them. And I, like Max said, I think they want to get people in on a $400 PS5. They want them to not buy that additional hard drive, which I think that they would eventually over time just kind of yeah, discontinue. Like saying, yeah. And they want people to go like, well, for a hundred bucks, I could get a game and a half or two cheaper games mm -hmm. digitally. And then you're locked into a digital ecosystem forever. <laughs> Like I have a, I have a digital PS5 and all my, my library is digital, but every now and then through work, there'll be like a, a, somebody on our Slack will be like, Hey, I have an extra copy of blah, blah, blah on PS5. And I'm like, Oh, I, I can't put that in my console. Can I with this yeah. just sit next to each other and stare it's, at each other? It's, a, it's an odd problem. It's, yeah. yeah. There's a certain kind of level of like lateral thinking that has to happen because this, I mean, we've had issues with like backwards compatibility, but the idea of something being a physical thing or something that is not actually there is like a different, yeah. you know, different exchange rate there. <laughs> what if Mitchell, the, what's your, what's your read on this? Say, do, you, yeah. do you care? Like, are you, are you, would you be tempted by a slimmer PS5 or are you just kind of like, as long as it plays games I mean, that kick my ass it, it really depends on the price uh i i think you know we've gotten to a point where graphics cards themselves have gotten so big mm -hmm. and you know i i just don't know the thing i would want out of a slim would be that kind of substantial difference between like the ps3 and the the ps3 slim like to me that was that yeah. was the right step down mm -hmm. um if there was if there was to be a ps5 slim i would like I wouldn't be interested if it was anything bigger than like an Xbox One X. Like that to me, that's that's the right size for for a console. Like it's yeah, it's small but it's also dense. It's heavy if you pick it up. Um, so yeah, so I I just they they I, it feels like they have to work some magic in order to get it to that that kind of level where I would want to be or where I would be interested in a PS5 Slim. Yeah, if you look at like hardware teardown videos of the launch model PS5, like they pretty much used every tiny little square inch of that of that of that mm -hmm. system. Like that is stuff that's jammed in and it's still huge and Xbox did a different shape that's still huge, you know. Yeah. And there's this this Series S which is like much like remarkably small but also way less powerful than the than mm -hmm. the it's big brothers right it's just be like perfectly cylindrical and about four feet long you know sure yeah just it fits right into any entertainment behind center. the curtains yes. my ps5 <laughs> make rolled a big away. old egg under the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah the uh i'm with you mitchell it's like to me it's like the consumer and excitement is missing on what we're seeing so far and again big grain of salt or slightly smaller grain of salt with segments in the sides and an optional hard drive but if this is a real thing um i'm not i'm not totally enthused about it yet i want just roll with it uh I'm, <laughs> i want i want something that like looks different and feels like something i would like trade in my current model to get which i, I wouldn't for this yeah I, i'm the same boat i don't think i would swap up uh the only thing i could see me is like i recently upgraded my office and so like sometimes i want to play my playstation up in my office but i don't want to have take my console up there yeah so like if they did release a slim and they had that with the optional disk drive, I might be enticed to do that just so that I could have that disk option on my second because my main one is digital. 90 
99.9% of my library is all digital because my partner has a physical one. So I think we have one physical PS5 game. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so like that, that's he's like, you can't play this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so like that would be the only thing that would entice me to, to buy it. If I was buying it as a second console for a second location in my house, mm-hmm. um, this would also be good for parents that have kids and they want to get their second kid a second one then they can do that if they want to yeah i guess that's what so i'm like, sort of i'm curious like is it is that a reality that we even have of where there is like a little a little cheapo version that like when the when the ps6 is on the horizon what is the what is the the little version that they have bundles mm-hmm. of it at black friday for 250 bucks or yeah whatever. what's the what's the, yeah. the 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 Wii, the little red Wii box yeah. or what not canadian only one that you yeah. can't do netflix because you need a cd-rom to install yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like yeah i don't know how small can you make a ps5 right exactly yeah. i mean i feel like this is that there'll be videos on whatever version of the internet we have in 10 years where people are like i made a ps5 that's this big like in the same way like there's people have working game cubes with a screen on now that are like you know the size of a gba yep anyway i'm i'm hoping we see something of this in the future i just i I don't know sony's been pretty quiet we got that awkward reveal of the project q and i I think it's still being we're still calling it the project q and i saw some i saw some like rumored like graphics of it today not like graphics on the thing but like a graphic somebody made with it saying it was like 200 bucks or whatnot so give it a cool name or no it was still said project q all right i mean it it, theoretically both of those products could be i mean one of them was officially announced the other one is allegedly in a leaked video so i feel like they could both be fall launches yeah. yeah, which I mean, is really odd. Yeah. That, that means I think yeah, the date they had for the in that this like graphic I saw online was like November of this year for the queue. So mm-hmm. yeah, which I mean, fits. ultimately like, it doesn't it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like it's like I have a PS5. I I want I want games, but there's still that part of me that like wants. I sort of want to want something new, you know, like I want, yeah. I want to covet this like new gadget. And, and to I'm be like, fair, like Sony, so like Sony's had a big year for just technology tech this year hardware yeah hardware it's been a massive year for them because we between the the dual sense edge they had the project leo accessibility controller mm-hmm. coming out project q there's the earbuds yes vr2 yes vr2 there's so many like they're, they're the, the how do earbuds you, <laughs> the thing you have sealed in the box too. hey you know what i love my psvr2 it's perfect the way it is okay um <laughs> <laughs> What to, to right, sit right, on the box? Right. Do, you, do you have that behind your TV too? <laughs> no, it's actually right to the side, so I can see it. All right, um, that one's in the backyard with the dog. <laughs> I see it better if you put it on your head. But what, anyway, um, Mitchell, the reason we asked you here is I want to talk about Lords of the Fallen. You put up a big, awesome, kind of crunchy preview. You got to you got to actually play it. Uh, kind of in a nutshell, can you can you just give us like a little bit of breakdown, like what your what your big takeaways from it were? Yeah. So Lords of the Fallen. Um, for those that don't know, this is a game that came out. God, I I, almost, I think like in 2014 or 2013, um, and it was one of the very first Souls likes that wasn't developed by From Software. Right. And so mm-hmm. you know, it, it was kind of a, it was okay. It, it wasn't like amazing, um, but this new one is kind of going its in a whole new direction. It's got this new, uh, really interesting dual kind of parallel realm system where you you play in the the realm of the living axiom and if you die you basically respawn in the same spot but in a new realm called umbral which is the realm of the dead and in umbral there's like all it's like basically the the upside down from stranger things it just it looks super creepy and if you die there if you die one more time in umbral then you basically have to do the souls like thing of going back to your your dead body recovering your souls or you lose them for good if you die again 
So you sort of have um, you sort of have two lives in a sense. You but die, it's, you it's, die it's, twice, it's, as they say. Yeah, you shadow. You shadow. Sekiro. Sekiro. Yeah, yeah. Sekiro shadows well, you twice. Kind of a bit of, of mortal <laughs> yeah. shell too, where you could like you you basically would like you had a suit that you you had your your sad little soul with like one HP or whatever. Oh yeah, run around and be like ah, don't hit me, whatever. <laughs> beat, beat the pants off of a guy or whatever. So yeah, <laughs> knocked you, out of your clothes. You, you talked about this. It, this this feels like a mechanic we've seen a lot. It's sort of it can be gimmicky and it can be really cool and robust. But you sound pretty positive on how much it actually like you know adds to the experience yeah it, it really touches every element of the game um there are you know for example there are areas in axiom that you know are barred off and you you can't you, you won't be able to find a way through but if you hold up a lantern which is your kind of your window to that other world the the umbral world you'll see that there's actually a hole in the wall in umbral so you can just keep on holding up your lantern you can move right through it if you put down the lantern and you turn around, the fence will be will, will still be there. Um, and then there are also areas where, like, let's say it's a whole river, like a whole river of, like, you know, neck-high water that you can't go through in, in the world of Axiom. You can actually fully transverse in, or fully traverse into Umbral, and in Umbral, that, that river is no longer there. It's just a shallow ground that you can walk on that you can walk on but you know it's it's always a risk going into umbral because in umbral you only have one life right so you have right. to kind of like you know weigh that risk of like is this something that's worth pursuing is this a road that i want to go down in umbral because if i die then i might lose all my souls or all my experience Which is like the best feeling in a souls uh, soulsborne game right is that is yeah, that game that risk reward. yeah that like mm -hmm. It's like I, I'm risking everything right now. I could lose everything, but like I, I want to keep exploring. Like so, when you're yeah. in Umbral, if you have your, you know, your the pants kicked off you or whatever, and you're running around in the in the in the timeout zone, do you just do you find like a like a point that lets you get back into Axiom? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's uh there's a couple of different ways to get back into Axiom. You can find a bonfire, you know, the bonfire equivalent, which will automatically bring you back into Axiom. There's another thing I think. It's not a vested. I don't remember the name of it, but it's basically like a little idol that you can interact with, and that'll bring you right back into Axiom. But it doesn't have the benefit of you know giving you a, a resting spot. Right. And then there's also a mechanic where if you find a flower bed, you can use an item to basically plant a a checkpoint uh, that you can use you know for for the rest of the for the rest of the time. Um, but that that item that you need in order to plant that that vestige is fairly rare. So you got to make the, the call of whether you want to, you know, use it on a spot uh. that, you know, is not that far away from a, a checkpoint that you already have, or do you want to hold on to it potentially for like, you know, a, a stretch that's longer between, you know, the, the two checkpoints. There was are the, uh, I was going to say, are the flower bed ones, are those ones you create, do you, are those permanent? Are those temporary? Like They're permanent. They're permanent. Okay, so you can yeah. effectively create your own kind of checkpoints at these, potential checkpoints at these specific spots. So, mm -hmm. There was a, there was a, I think it was a Eurogamer write-up that, that came out alongside the initial sort of reveal of the whole Unreal demo of this all. And it was like, there was a lot of like really cool details about the gameplay in this write-up. And then there was like some cool graphics being showed off, but I feel like they weren't really properly paired. And there's a bunch of features they touched on in that write-up. One of them, I remember they said that you could basically... I think what he's describing is, is the the sort of vestibule or whatever where you plant in the flowers. Can enemies destroy that? I don't think so. They couldn't, at least in my in my experience. Usually, where there's a flower bed, there's not 
there's not really enemies that that are nearby. Okay, they touched on something that said it was like it was sort of like a portable bonfire, but like where you placed yeah. it was oh, dependent, interesting. which is. Mm-hmm. Mitchell, looking at this game um, and having played the first one, uh, I, everything that's sticking out to me is that it's much faster. It feels it's so much um, faster. <laughs> yeah, the, fir- the first one was like kind of notoriously heavy and and kind of uh, felt like the the heavier side of like the old Dark Souls games. And whereas like stuff like Bloodborne and uh, obviously Sekiro, and then to a lesser degree Dark Souls Three, but still there, um, were much quicker games. Even like with the do- with the the roll I'm seeing here, the lock on looks extremely from soft like does this feel like like finally like the 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 cover song that is going to hold us over until the band returns <laughs> <laughs> i think so honestly i think you know one of the things that i really took away is how closely they've they've kind of nailed the the from soft feel um and that's that's a hard thing to to really nail down um there there are a little bit of there, there are some camera issues, I think, that aren't quite as smooth as, like, an Elden Ring. Like, mm-hmm. if you roll towards a, a big enemy, the camera kind of whips around to your back, and that's kind of a little bit disorienting. Um, whereas, like, in, in an Elden Ring, it kind of naturally moves around to, to your backside rather than just, you know, full-on flipping over you. Um, How so there's the, that. What about the item descriptions? Are they cryptic and needlessly obtuse? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I didn't pay too much attention to it. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if they are. You know, this is this is very much a game that is is trying to get as close to you know that that souls like feel as they can possibly get, but also doing a lot of its own very unique things. So yeah. it's not you know. No, but- I would never call it, you know, a ripoff or, you know, anything. Yeah, it, it seems close like it, it understood the assignment and it is, it has like a, the, the whole umbral thing really seems fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Do the enemies, so if you're holding the lantern up, do enemies in umbral see you? Yes. So that's another interesting risk reward element of it. If you're holding up the lantern and there's an enemy in umbral and it sees you, if it hits you, it will pull you into umbral. So basically, it's an instant kill. It's an instant kill if it touches if it touches you. And there's there's even enemies that kind of you know present that threat where if you hold up a lantern, they're like birds in umbral that are hanging on the ceiling, and they'll make a noise. And if you if you hear that noise, you gotta put your lantern down because they dive bomb you. (laughs) Uh, No, go for it, Jane. I was gonna say I was playing Remnant Two. This little sidetrack, but I got killed by a bunch of birds so uh you know just screw them birds um but (laughs) um i was gonna say mitchell me and you are very similar when it comes to our like combat game we have a lot of the same kind of feel when it comes to these games how is the combat feel like compared to like souls bloodborne and stuff like that like how does it like does it feel the same? Does it feel like it's doing enough different? Because like that was my biggest concern, like watching the earliest dev uh, walkthroughs was that it just I was like, it doesn't look like it's doing enough new in combat for me. How was how that like after getting some time with hands on with it? I think it feels really good. Um, they they do. I, I would say the, the big thing about Lords of the Fallen's combat is fluidity. Um, this is a game where everything kind of chains into everything else that you can do. So you can do light attacks, chain it into a heavy attack, and there's a unique animation depending on like where you are in the combo that goes into the heavy attack. You can do a light attack, press the stance switch button to go into a two-handed stance, and then when you press the, the button again, it'll do like a unique attack in the new stance. So oh, you nice. kind of seamlessly go, go from one-handed to two-handed stances, 
um you can seamlessly go from like two two uh light attacks into your left-handed magic attack so if you have like a you know a catalyst on your left hand you can do you know slash slash fireball um everything feels very fluid is is kind of the main That's takeaway awesome. that i got from from the combat of lords of the fall and are we getting like a weapon like variety like not, i don't i'm not expecting like elden ring level variety but like are we getting all types of different weapons did you get a good taste for what we'd be able I, to wield i did get a quote from the developer on how many weapon types there are i don't remember it offhand but there's there's a good amount and you know it is kind of that uh souls like thing of like there's a bunch of different weapon classes like you know a claymore a rapier a dagger and then within those classes there's a there's a bunch of different unique weapons that all have their own you know differences about them do and your do your swords get uh dull and tired and you have to bring them to the blade doctor to sharpen them <laughs> up like and i guess that that's like a mechanic i hate I think it's games. called a blacksmith I, no blade doctor. no 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 it's a blade doctor i don't think there's a blade doctor in this game okay good <laughs> I, I i don't think there's any durability uh, uh from what i've experienced that's great i like i like that you know Me it's too. cool if you got the time to poly to I, I guess is that does that count as polishing a game to make things get duller and blunter i don't i feel like that's different <laughs> yeah maybe it's just it's it's a it's a great mechanic that adds a whole layer of something but if you don't have the time or resources to put it in there just don't just leave it out just don't make it so the game the blades get dull. I don't, yeah, stay I don't, sharp i don't like that i like yeah. when the blades are smart not stupid um i wanted to pick your brain about like the world design a little bit like obviously elden ring changed everything in terms of going open world but uh like classic soulsborne fans love that you know large areas into tunnels that interconnect and open doors and secret passageways and shortcuts and stuff like that did you get a feel for how that kind of flows in this game how the the world kind of opens and closes yeah um you know it's it's definitely not like elden ring this is this is much more demon souls i would say than than even mm. dark souls like there's i didn't notice a lot of like interconnecting parts that kind of lead all the way back to like where you started um but there are the usual like one-way shortcuts where you know you go to a door it can only be open from one side you gotta go around when you unlock it it's a shortcut um but yeah, I, I didn't I didn't really get the feel that it's quite as interconnected as like a Dark Souls one. It it felt more Demon Soulsy in that so way. A little more linear then. A little more linear. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm okay I'm, with I'm that. fine with that. I'm totally good with that. Yeah. I mean, I imagine the the thing that grabbed me is I like I love the exploration in these games and I feel like the Umbral Lantern hopefully scratches that itch and adds enough of a, a variety mm -hmm. in that sense of just sort of being like Ooh, here's my shortcut. It's in a different right. dimension. Like, is would you say that's kind of the case, Mitchell? Yeah, I, I don't know if because it, it feels like the Umber Lantern is really more. You, you always have it, so it's not like something that you'll get later on. Like you'll be able to use, and now you have a shortcut because you're able to, you know, illuminate a new path. Um, I, I do think it is one of those things where, like, if you pull up your like, there's usually a bunch of like blue fireflies in an area that you can hold up the lantern too and you'll go there there will be something interesting there so there's definitely that element i think the the really cool thing about the lantern and the you know being able to go into umbral at specific times or just whenever you want actually um is that there are unique treasure chests encounters that you can only find in umbral so that that is going to be the, i think the incentive to explore you know while mm. you have that lantern out mm. 
What about costumes and dressing my uh, little person like a silly idiot? Can I do Dude, that? <laughs> there was so we did a, a co-op uh, let's play that's going to be coming out later on, and uh, they you know they they really geared me out, and there was a, a costume that made me look like Skeletor. What? Like, nice. Awesome. Yes. I like that they're just not so subtly being like, here's a default build, just happens to be Eileen the Crow. Check it with, out. With the Bloodborne hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's too much to wear Bloodborne these these days, but here is the Bloodborne but hat. But they, the... they know what the audience is hungry for. Yeah. I love that it's also like the first Lords of the Fallen, kind of clunky. Yeah, here's someone in like a crow feather cape doing somersaults. Is that zippy enough for you, kids? No, I'm very stoked about this. Oh, so you mentioned the co op, Mitchell. Um, is the co op. It's, it sounds like the co-op is a little bit less obtuse than we've seen in FromSoft games. Would you say that that's the case? Or at the very least, you can just buddy up and just hang Oh, you out. don't have to call your friend on the phone and eat a cursed fallopian tube in front of <laughs> an altar or whatever just, just to go online? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's super simple. Uh, you go to a bonfire, you uh, press a button to make yourself visible to friends. They press a button to look for people that have a, a call out and they just join their world. And it's not something where like, you know, you beat the boss and they have to like silently do the nope. YMCA dance and then they disappear. They're there as long as you want. I love it. I love FromSoft. I love what they do. It's also sometimes nice when things are just a little bit easier. And I know, yeah, you know, just a little they, bit more. Strict. Now, all the all the online and in, in FromSoft games is like is coded by the people that invented friend codes at Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like evil friend codes. <laughs> it is also interesting. See if anyone will hang out with you. <laughs> it is also interesting in uh, the co-op because uh, one person has to be the host, so they're the ones that are making the decision of whether you should, you know, both go into Umbral at the same time or not. Uh. And if the host dies, you game's over. If the guest dies, the the host can still revive them. So interesting. There's, there's a couple of interesting co-op only uh, mechanics as well. As well. <laughs> okay, that sounds fun, man. I'm really stoked for this game. I'm I'm dying to see the rest. When of is this out? October. October thirteenth, I believe. What? Yeah. It's a Friday the thirteenth. Spooky yeah. time. So, oh, wait, a, a week before Spider Man and a week after the Assassin's Creed game that just got moved. I up have early. great news. There's no way to play all the games coming out this year, no matter what date they're coming out. Spider Man's the same day as Super Mario Wonder. Yeah. It's it's just it's a wonder how they how they expecting you to play these. Don't games. play oh new God. games next year. Just play the ones that are out this year. It's fine. So. One of the biggest games of the year that I think is taking a lot of people by surprise, I think it also had a nice sort of three-year head start, is Baldur's Gate 3. Jada, you and I have both been playing a bunch of it. Mitchell, you're playing a bit of it too, yeah? A tiny bit. Uh, I, I've been doing it like a D&D &D session with my buddy, like a weekly D&D &D nice. session. Uh, so we've had our first session last week, and uh, actually tonight I think we're doing part two, so I'm looking nice. forward to it. How many how many hours have you logged? I imagine you're still pretty pretty early in there, yeah. Well, like two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have you done anything terrifically stupid yet? Uh, you know, I I've had like the inkling of wanting to do something incredibly stupid, but you usually my or the the better part of my brain won over this time. I was going to throw a I'm a barbarian, and I was going to do the classic thing of like, oh, all those enemies are grouped together. So is my buddy. You know, I take out three enemies, lose one buddy. That seems like a pretty good trade. You can pick uh, him back up. <laughs> ultimately, I decided not to do it. I didn't want to make make him mad at me, but uh, <laughs> the thought the thought was there. 
Jada, what about you? What's your what's I have done a lot of really dumb things in Baldur's Gate 3. Um the probably the dumbest thing was probably I think my first or second day playing it. I found a crypt. I went into the crypt. I walked around the crypt. I perceived all the traps, couldn't figure out how to turn them off or disarm them. Um, because I just don't think my brain was there for like figuring out the systems because it's it was still so early in the game. Um and so and then I found a sarcophagus that was uh that was locked. So I was like, mm, I need a trap disarm tool for this. So I left, did a fight, and came back. I was like, well, didn't find a trap disarm tool. I really don't want to come back to this later. So I opened up the sarcophagus with my whole party in the room. Grease came out of the vents in the ground, filling the room. <laughs> and before I could grease, <laughs> before I could take the items out of the sarcophagus and then put them in my pack uh-huh. in the six seconds, eight fireballs, four from each side, came closing in. Hitting me, the grease on the ground, triggering a detonation, and an instant party wipe. That is a brutal death. <laughs> it was very brutal. Uh, my party, ne- one of the, my parties now lives in that sarcophagus. Um, These aren't too easy. They're too greasy. They got too much <laughs> grease in there. No, I you love. Just, sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to say, Mitchell, you got to you got to look out for the grease. This grease is. Uh, it's like, everywhere. Ryan, I watched like your eyebrows raise where we just kind of Jada casually brought this up in a meeting the other day. Uh-huh. I feel like you're, you know, you've you've had like some very like. Some some brushes with D and D, but I, yeah. I feel like you don't fully understand exactly how dumb it is and how how completely yes. how much failure is not the end. It is the beginning of so much new, more new stuff. Like it is the sort of that's that's the kind of stuff that makes me perk up and go like I want to play this game. Um, I haven't yet, despite uh, having been bald for uh, about half of my life now. <laughs> I do I do want to try. What's the gate level for you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was probably my late 20s was the gate to become. Okay, oh. there we go. <laughs> so I, I've I've been playing. I've been trying not to play Barbarian because I always I feel like I always wind up playing Barbarian. Or always trying what are you playing as? It. I'm playing as Pe- <laughs> Pequin, the gnomish rogue, who is... <laughs> I, just, I look like if... Um, you idiot. If, <laughs> <laughs> if you play- I need to point out that like there was a, like, a full year where Max would just draw drawings of this character named Corwin. <laughs> It was just like a sick little British kid, and he would leave them on post-it notes all around the IGN office, and you'd be like, you'd open up a flap on a conference room table to plug something in and just be like, oh, you found Corwin. <laughs> <laughs> the man should not be let outside. Corwin is named after a kid I went to middle school with who wore a purple cape every day and insisted that he was a mage, and he would try to strangle you if, if you disagreed with him. Really oh, he's de- that, that dude's definitely playing Baldur's Gate right yeah, now. Yeah, he's 100%. Yeah, he's for sure. He's but. probably one of the three 386 who finished it on the first weekend <laughs> i bet yeah oh, but i so i'm playing as i'm playing as pequin the rogue who is i i was like you know what i'm gonna really force myself to sort of think around or talk around my problems yeah. i have like i have like a 19 charisma or something okay and i'm useless otherwise i look like if you put a fake mustache on mark zuckerberg and then put his head on a child's body i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let you know max charisma is not the stat you should be leveling on a rogue <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Don't tell me how to play my game. I'm not. I'm just listen. I actually love that. I love the role I'm playing a failure, of it. Okay, and it's great. But no, so I'm I'm having a good time. The, the rogue. You know, my parents like, are fighting, and I'm just yeah. sitting here being like, poor Pequin. Uh, but yeah, no, Pe- Pequin is uh, he's really good. <laughs> Pequin is good at like talking around stuff, and I've had a lot of like that. Basically, I just I, I can I can pick locks like nothing else, mm-hmm. and I can I can I can bullshit like. Like with the best of them. And it's, yeah. it's amazing because I'll just, I'll wind up in these conversations where I do the most like ridiculous, like I will, I will just 
I will just bullshit people to the point that I'm like, oh my God, how did I do that? Like I, mm-hmm. I had these like <clears throat> these goblins that were about to kill me and they were trying to shake me down and they were like, they were like, give me a hundred bucks or a two hundred. Oh, the the, or the ogres. Yeah, no, no, no. They were they were they were goblins. They were in the goblin camp, but were they're they, were, they they, were like bigger, fatter no, ones. No, they were regular little guys. Oh, they were trying to. They, and honestly, they're like my my height too. So oh no, like no. That. Okay, I know anyway, what you're talking about. The yeah, point is, yeah. They were trying to shake me down and get all my golden coins, which I did not want to give to them. And I lied to them, and I was like, I can tell you where there's lots more gold. <laughs> and the guy was like, you know what? I'm gonna ask for an even higher number. Give me five gold. That's a. And I was like. I basically tricked him into thinking that like five was somehow a larger number than a hundred or two hundred fifty, mm-hmm. um, and it's just like rolled the dice. It was like just gave him this, just you know, got a very, very good guess. Did a good. It was a hit. I did it. I did the same thing. So I'm playing. A... No, so here's the thing. Here's where okay. I keep screwing. Uh-huh. Is I keep winding up getting this amazing, these amazing, just like I cannot believe I social engineer my way through this, these win states, and then they're like, well, all right, I'll allow it just this once. And then I do something that triggers the everyone to get mad at me. And then I have to fight my way out of it. Do you like, tell them your name? Is that why they try to beat you? Pretty up? much. No, there's a part where you meet an owl bear, which is exactly mm-hmm. what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And there's an owl bear and it's got a cub. And like, basically I'm like, I'm like, this thing will eat me alive. This thing is absolutely going to mop the floor mm-hmm. with me. And I managed to like, totally just like talk it down. Like mm-hmm. I, I can also talk to animals if I yep. cast my spell. And so I'm talking to this animal and I'm like, Oh yeah, let me just rawr, 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 whatever it sounds like an owl bear. And I like, completely diffuse the situation and i'm like you wouldn't want to eat me i'm just a little pequin of a scrap i'm no good for you and albert's like yeah i guess you're probably not a threat you're not worth my time and i'm like i can't believe that worked and it was like but just don't come around here anymore and i was like surely would never do such a thing and then i like walked past it and found this you know treasure chest or whatever and then i came back and it was like hey what are you doing and i was like oh shit and then i and then i and then i killed it and then it's like its baby was like and i was like i'm like pretty pretty cold-hearted when it comes to just like oh i killed an animal in a game oh well i was like oh no i can't live with this and then i like reloaded a save that was like unfortunately like two and a half hours early or something and i was like oh, i uh I killed that owlbear <laughs> so i'll go backwards through your stories so i did the owlbear situation but i ran into a group of people did which you killed owlbear i did kill the owlbear how dare you i killed the owlbear orphan that baby I, owlbear. Hey, you know what to be fair I got in there because I was helping some other people because the owlbear killed somebody else. So I was helping what are you them. What are you I am. Who are you? I am Talizora, a bubblegum pink tiefling wild magic sorcerer. Um, and so I'm just casting all types of spells. (laughs) 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 So like I went in, I killed the owlbear, didn't attack the baby cub that was there. So Uh somehow the baby cub just like stayed out of combat the whole time. And then, but, I didn't realize finishing combat would start a conversation with the baby owlbear. With, uh, so my person who got the last hit was Lazel, who is my least charismatic member of the party. And so she just was kind of like grunting at this thing because I turned her into a barbarian. So she's just grunting at this baby owlbear, so I couldn't do anything with it. Um, and basically the end of the result is now the baby owlbear is eating its mother's corpse. No! <laughs> what <laughs> yes it's so it's like it's like it, i like try to talk to it with speak with animals and it's like it doesn't give you any the narrator's like it doesn't give you any attention it continues to gorge on its mother's corpse and i'm just you like a, you know what you did you made a cubone i did make made, a cubone yeah, i 100 made a cubone yeah this episode of podcast beyond is brought to you by nordvpn a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace 
Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, let's hear them talk about it. Shows that are so bad they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems, and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers, and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And then... I'm doing a lot of charisma as well with my wild magic sorcerer. So I went to those goblins you went and I did the same thing where I got them to pay, got to pay them a lower amount. But then I positioned my rogue. I had Asterion like hide up behind somebody. And then I just backstabbed somebody that was one of their lookouts and then had him sneak attack another one. And then I finished the fight like that and then interrogated the little, little shit till he gave me all the information I wanted. And then he was like, you gave me all, I, I gave you all the information. Can I go now? I was like, nah. And I smacked him down and killed him anyways. It was great. I just like, I love I, like, totally Gate. like stealth my way into this whole village. And I like backstabbed a bunch of guys. I found a dude who was sleeping and I just went up and like stabbed. Oh yeah. The, 100%. Yeah. Did you go in the barn yet? Yeah, 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 I haven't gone into the spider basement though because I don't want to. But uh, no, like I and I went up on on the roof and I was like tiptoeing around, sneaking around, mm-hmm. and these guys were like, hey, what are you 
what are you doing? And I was like, I'm a liar and I should be here. And they were like, <laughs> all right, the check's out. Just don't mess with us too much. And I was like, okay, cool. And they, and then I think I had to kill them because I wound up talking to them again or something. But it's just, yep. it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so much fun. It's, it's such like a, just a, just it's, it, the, you can't see the bottom. You know? It's a masterclass in like storytelling and just having all types of different dimensions. And it's kind of like Tears of the Kingdom for Nintendo fans where it's like, oh, did you find this, this hole in the ground that led to this place and found it's, this dungeon and thing? It's the same kind of community building conversations. Right, right. And so like, it is outrageous that we got both a, we got two big games like that already this year starfield is coming out in like two or three weeks and that potentially has a, has a chance to too. do the same thing like no, i feel like what I a wild like gate it is doing narratively what tears of the kingdom was doing like physically tactile yes. like everyone is solving puzzles differently but in this case it's like it's not that you glued some stuff together and made like an x like a you know, giant gundam out. yeah yeah it's it's you lied to somebody and then seduce somebody else and then poison something else. And it's like, it's completely roundabout way to re reveal the same results. And to the point that like, it's not even like if you say the answer you got, it's a spoiler because you have to do so many exact things right to reach that point mm -hmm. for that to even occur. Yep. But yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I can't wait for it to drop on PlayStation next month because I'm already planning on playing it again with my partner on a new character. And I'm going, he's like, he's like, I don't know if you're going to want to play with me. I was like, I was like, I don't think you understand how I'm going to be playing the second character when I play through. This is going to be chaos. Oh, yeah. This next, like, I'm very tame. I'm playing on tactician difficulty. I don't know if we'll play on tactician when we play together just because the enemies have so much HP um, and there's so many more of them. But, like, I'm going to be chaotic. I'm just going to be picking up stuff and throwing things. I'm considering making, like, a barbarian halfling named Nom 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 that just tries to eat everything. That's a good one. Like, I like I'm just, like, there's just so many weird I, things. So that why you not? Do. Jesse Jesse Gomez from IGA's UK team posted a wonderful screenshot. And he, you know, talked about how he's, he's playing with his partner and how <laughs> it was the screenshot. One of them is in the middle of a very serious conversation. And then Jesse's character is just wailing on the loot. Just, like... <laughs> <laughs> and it, you can see in the in the conversation cutscene in the very background there's just somebody just playing the loot. <laughs> so you can do that and I'm like I'm so ready for that. Like I'm just going to I might I might wind up getting divorced, but you know, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun way out, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited to play this with, oh, uh, with someone so else. Good. It's just it's it's a D&D simulator. It's mm -hmm. it's wild. I'm I'm completely floored at how how much fun it is and i just i know i realize we're this is the most we've we've talked about a ostensibly a pc game on this show but like it's coming to ps5 everyone listening very soon yeah yeah if you haven't like if this isn't on your radar put it on your radar i, I it is just even, yeah even if it's like if you're you don't like turn base you don't like dice rolling in games it's it just works. It feels it feels good when you're doing it. And yes, it is a little bit slower paced than some other RPGs and stuff like that. But the payoff is worth the time invested. Mm -hmm. And that's like that's the biggest thing is like give this game a chance. Yeah. Is there is there crossplay? Like in your So there isn't crossplay between PC and PS5, but there is cross saves. Okay, yeah. And they said that it they're uh the PS5 when, at the PS5 launch, it should be able to fully sync with your PC saves. So if you're playing on PC, you'll be able to take your character to your PS5 and play it. Awesome. Um, no problem. Supposedly. It's, that's what they've said. It's, it's what? Two-player split-screen co-op. Two-player right? split-screen, I believe. four-player online total? i believe so yes yeah so yeah definitely four player co-op total i don't know how many you can do on a console and play all at once i imagine if you had four controllers right now on a pc you could probably still do it i just haven't tried it yeah mm -hmm. 
That's wild. Yeah, no, I'm I'm I floated the idea of just doing like D and D double dates and just like me and my wife playing with our our friends on there and just like I don't know having Discord open and just like yep. yeah yeah it's I don't know it's ah yeah, go for it yeah I'm very excited for more people to play this and also I don't know play it on my couch I'm stoked for that um yeah a lot of stupid stuff you can do in that it w everyone listening whatever watching please let us know what is the stupidest thing that you have done in Baldur's Gate what is the stupidest thing you plan to do uh yeah how 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 dumb can you get now Mitchell, I want to talk to you about Evo. Evo happened a while ago. It's it, it kind of cooling off behind us, but you were you were there. You were giving it your best shot, doing all the fighting spirit stuff. Tell us about how it went. <laughs> uh, it went pretty good. Um, so we actually have a uh, a vid doc that uh, my buddy Ronnie uh, cut together. It should be going up today, uh, so it might be up already by the time you guys see this. Um, but yeah, I so. I've been doing this video diary series, kind of chronicling uh, what it takes to prepare for Evo uh, and, you know, what it's like to be at, on the actual show floor. I have two episodes that are up already. Uh, I got a, a, a fighting game coach in Diaphone and Smuggles, uh, and they really upped my game and really got me ready for, for you know, my, my pools at, at Evo. And, yeah, I did, I did pretty good. I did better than I've ever done. I went four and two. Um, I lost in losers finals to get out of my pool. I was one round away from from taking it. Oh, I definitely man. could have done it, but just how many didn't know the matchup well enough to uh, to really secure the win. What is the minimum number of games you have to win to make it out of pools? So it depends. If you don't lose a game, you only have to win like three, because mm. um, you do like quarters, semis, and then finals. Um, in my head, this to... this just looks like uh, the 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 Dragon Ball Tenkaichi Budokai qualifications, where like Goku and Krillin go and yeah, fight right? the smelly guy, <laughs> but like there's more folding chairs and and fight sticks. Can you give us kind of like a pie in the sky overview of Evo? Like I know it's 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 a convention, but it's also a fighting game tournament with multiple games and uh, tons of spectators who aren't interested in competing but just want to come hang out and celebrate the medium, right? Yeah, so it's literally that. The the convention floor is literally split into two parts. There's the competition part, which is, like Max said, a bunch of folding chairs, <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of televisions, a bunch of monitors, uh, people playing fighting games. Do and people the fight with the folding chairs? Because that's been a thing recently. <laughs> no, that's WrestleCon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's the other side of it, which is the convention part. And there's everything that you would imagine from a convention. There's an artist alley. There are, you know, big booths from publishers like Bandai Namco, um, Arc System Works, uh, SNK has a presence there, Capcom's there, obviously. Um, and you can just get in a line and you can wait to play whatever fighting games are coming out. <laughs> this, was a, this was a big year because they had Tekken on the floor, Tekken 8, they had Project L, they had, uh, you know, an SNK booth where you can play as the new King of Fighters character. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1 was there. So, like, in terms of going to Evo and getting to play a game almost like it's a PAX or an E3, yeah. this was, like, an unprecedented year, I feel like. Yeah, it's, um, it's, this has been, like, a huge window for fighting games in general. It's it's insane that, like, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and Tekken are all back within the same calendar year, theoretically. Well, not calendar they year. They got to fight now. Yeah, they do have to fight. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mitchell, let's back this up. What was What was your game? What were you playing? I was playing Guilty Gear Strive, um, and yeah, so I wanted to play Street Fighter also, but I'm I'm disqualified 
from participating because I got a review copy. Uh, they they made a policy where if you oh, got an wow. early copy of the game, you could not participate in any Capcom Cup huh. um, events. Basically. I thought it was because of your rampant steroid usage. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so left field. I, I just I, I just I, inject I just inject monster directly into my veins, <laughs> and that that was too much. <laughs> they did all those tests on you. Made you turn green. Your hair got orange. You shit, electricity everywhere. Yeah. Down by the river docks, just shocking <laughs> people. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, if you got a, if you got an early copy of Street Fighter, that means you technically had like you had a leg up on the competition theoretically. So it's it's a it's a little big a bit of a bigger story than that. There was going back several months, like before Street Fighter Six came out, there was a leak that mm -hmm. uh, came out, and a bunch of people were playing that. And Capcom had to come out and say, "Hey, if we catch you playing this leak, you're disqualified from any Capcom Cup events." Oh, uh, and then I think you know to kind of keep it fair, yeah, so to speak, is like okay, well, also if you're also playing it, playing an early copy that we gave you you're still disqualified like yes. in order to accept this copy you have to also be you know not allowed to play you have to forfeit game. your professional fighting career yeah basically for you imagine yeah. it's nine a out of ten idea. i imagine there's also like a lot more competition for street fighter too yeah it was the biggest i think it's their biggest yeah, prize pool this year huge. right the biggest prize pool i think it's two million dollars one million dollars goes to the winner um yeah it's if there is a fighting game to to get good at real quick it is Street Fighter Six. If you want to, you know, try your mm -hmm. hand at that prize pool. God, that's what's, awesome. the, what's got the the smallest the the smallest group of players? If if maybe you just want to try to play the odds and and maybe hope you can luck into first place by just there not I being mean, that I, much competition. I think I, I think honestly I think those are like the hardest yeah, ones to those win. Those are the sweatiest ones. Yeah. Because yeah, because <laughs> those people that the that that dedicated community that is still playing that game, they are the best ever in this game so like yeah. going and playing in those tournaments at a whim like melty blood or uh, undernight yeah any of those like smaller like a lot of the anime fighters they have smaller um like turnouts oh, but they like the players are the, the sweatiest in the best kind of ways like they're so good now mitchell i'm like curious like what is so when, when people are qualifying to like super professional like esports e e athletes do they still have to like sit down in a folding chair and just like beat someone's ass and then get like yeah yeah everyone mm -hmm. everyone goes through the same the same thing basically Did they, are there like are, are there like sort of like celebrity players who like show up on the floor and everyone's like oh no and they've got like an entourage oh, carrying like belts and boom boxes <laughs> well like... i don't know about that but <laughs> <laughs> yeah like one of the really cool things about uh you know going to evo is like you know going through the the mandalay bay going through the convention hall and being like ah there's stage jam oh there's uh you know punk yeah you know, all these people that you know from from streams oh hey punk's right there <laughs> on screen um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, you get to see a lot of the celebrities, so to speak, in the scene. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's cool. It's, it's a good opportunity for them also to, to meet their fans. So you... uh, I, remember, I remember Punk, actually. Someone was holding up a big sign that was like, Punk is here. And it was like <laughs> pointing right at him. <laughs> so you said you got, you got four wins? I got four wins. Yeah. What was like? Did you have a decent sized crowd when this was happening? So I would say the the crowd that forms around your pool is usually the people who are playing in that pool, and like mm -hmm. you know the people that who are you know supporting them. So it wasn't like a huge crowd. I didn't I didn't have anyone super notable 
I would say in my pool is um, are are the are the are like the competitors like uh, generally supportive of the people competing on stage when they're not fighting? Like, is the is the crowd cheering and stuff like that? I think like, he's asking like about like the main stage because there's like a main stage for that. You know, some matches your some of your matches will be played on the main stage, and you get a bigger kind of yeah. Because I point. one of the first preview events I ever did for this job was a like a Street Fighter tor tournament. It was probably four at the time um, at at the. At, at, at like one of the military barracks in San Francisco. And I just went into this gigantic place and it was filled with like a thousand people who were screaming at two people fighting on the TV. And I was just like, I went from not understanding this to being like, I totally get this. This is one of the most energetic places I've ever been in. This mm -hmm. is insane. Um, yes. so I was just wondering what that kind of adds to, to like that, the part where you're actually up there playing yourself. Yeah. So like Jada was saying the most of the matches play out in just, you know, nondescript pools, which are just a bunch of tables, folding chairs. They've together. emptied the water out so they can fit more people in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Terrible acoustics. Um, <laughs> there are also there are also main stages for each of the game. And those are, you know, stages with projectors. They have commentators that are 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 watching and commentating over the games. And those are broadcast to, you know, one of the Evo streams. Evo has like four different streams that are going on all throughout the day. Um and if you get on, if you get onto one of those stages, then yeah, you got a crowd of people that are you know cheering you on. You've got you know people commentating you. Uh, my very first Evo that I went to in 2019, I got to experience it. I got to go up on stage to play against uh, Tasty Steve, who was a very notable fighting game player mm -hmm. uh, in Mortal Kombat. I, I beat him. It's not his game, <laughs> but I did beat him. <laughs> he's a, um, he, is he one of the voices for Street Fighter Six? He's yeah, he's one yes, of the voices. One of the shout cutters, yeah. As well. Um and yeah, it was it was just the most incredible experience that you know. What's I've the ever had. what's the vibe like? Because I feel like people, you know, they hear fighting games, they think competition, but like my in my experience, when a convention or event is like a singular focus, it's everyone's kind of energy is going in the same direction and it's just much more camaraderie i i think it's a lot of camaraderie um yeah mm -hmm. I, you know you, you go around you see everyone everyone's fist bumping everyone's smiling everyone you know obviously there's a lot of intensity people want to win um but you know never for a second did i ever have like a, a bad vibe throughout the entire the entire experience that's so um, cool it was just a lot of a lot of fist bumps, a lot of pats on the back, a lot of hugs. You know, in, in during Evo Grand Finals, there was a moment where everyone pulled out their phones and started, uh, you know, waving, oh, waving them their lights. Look at that! That's just that's so cool. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. The there was the uh, the Chipotle reveal where everybody went crazy when they had their <laughs> oh my god FGC people <laughs> love their Chipotle. Okay, <laughs> that's like sure. the second major he, Chipotle reveal at a gaming event this year. The other was the was the what the Jeff Keeley's thing, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You guys like Final Fantasy? What about Chipotle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? I, sure. Being in the crowd for this event, uh, you know. After you know the commentators would throw it to break, like okay, we're going to break. There were people next to me, like all right, it's coming, it's coming. Here it comes, here it comes. And then, then the same Chipotle ad would play on the big screen, and the whole arena would erupt. <laughs> <laughs> they would erupt, chanting Chipotle, Chipotle. I love uh, that. Fighting, yeah. fighting game people love their Chipotle. I love that so much. That reminds me, I was at, I went to, um, uh, it was a Pax Pax Prime like karaoke thing, and 
it wasn't exclusively PAX people, but a bunch of nerds were hanging out and doing their thing. And one dude got up who was not there for PAX. He was just a regular dude at a bar and he started unironically doing Creed for karaoke. And everyone just started going, Creed, 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 Creed. And he was so confused. And I think he was really happy about it. Yeah. But we didn't know that we were just completely, you know. Kind of, kind of razzed him there. Gamers, you can't bring us anywhere. <laughs> oh, exactly. Except for Dave and Buster's, and we have a blast over there. Uh, now, Jada, you saw Gran Turismo. I did. The movie, not the, the movie. Yes, felt like I was in the game. How was it? I actually really enjoyed it. Like, I don't think it's like the masterpiece, like the the model to build all future PlayStation movies or TV stuff series around. But I actually really enjoyed the story. I, I think once you get past the first. 20 25 minutes which has it does that very the tutorial it, yeah kind of a tutorial Did make you watch that like history of the automobile that... <laughs> <laughs> no it, it actually gave you like the history of every kid growing up playing video games and their parents not believing in them and not like like understanding oh, what there's like, like it very starts out very slow okay. like that um and there's a couple like very odd choices for uh visual effects that they put on the screen like and it's not like explosion visual effects it's like hey i evaded the police objective complete and like bright neon lights like in the sky like kind of like visualization i was like this is really weird and kind of pulled me out of it it's like a shot in the trailer where it shows it shows like the the car like explodes into schematics yeah diagrams so that that was actually really cool i actually really like that and they did that a couple times in the movie sometimes it like it took while he was in the car it took him back to like his chair at home with his steering wheel at home in front of his monitor sometimes it did and then other times he was like uh in like at his desk and it did it with the car when he was racing and stuff i actually really like that i thought that was really cool david harbour freaking kills it in this role like he is fantastic yeah. like he nails it like every single scene he owns it i did our i did our the vo for a review and i thought it was it was really lovely how they just called him out specifically as like just really just doing his damnedest to try to try to salvage a, just a bunch of like franchise plays you know like yeah. it's just whether it's this or hellboy he's really giving it his all even if yep. the, the product isn't necessarily you know top tier but yeah i think it does a good job i think the story is very solid obviously it's based on a true story so like there's a lot of you know obviously there's some wiggle room there's not some non-wiggle room um i they they tell you at the end of the movie that the um the actual person it's based on that he was the stunt double for all the films in the movie all the stunts in the movie oh all the stunts in the film all the stunts in the film oh man that's awesome stunt double for it so which is really cool um so like i was really happy to hear that um but does a really good job building tension it does uh it's got some good humor to it um and yeah i just i really enjoyed it it's a solid seven for me it was it was a good movie like gave it i think we gave it a six six i think we did six but like i i liked it a little bit better than i think our reviewer did which is totally fine um it it vibe with me it did make me want to go home and buy a full racing setup and start playing gran turismo like crazy which is i think is part of the appeal sony's hoping for yeah no they Um, want people to walk into the theater buy this game and buy a racing wheel i want to see the 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 power washing simulator version of this movie where someone just gets really into that game you just get like a power washing business and it's like a moderate success you know yeah not a huge doesn't become like a chain or anything but you know they get like four stars on yelp yeah yeah how, how many times did they say the ultimate driving simulator uh whew, five okay is it weird that they keep calling it grom Terosmo? <laughs> <laughs> i didn't hear that 
Uh, I just want to say it's it's kind of amazing that they did this and Twisted Metal back to back and both turned out way better than they had any right to. Yeah, what the hell? Did you like, watch Twisted Metal yet? You no, I didn't. I was I was I was it. I was floored by like I, I was looking at the review scores for it and and the and like uh, it's it's it, people love this show and I'm like uh okay I guess I'll give this a shot. I finished my third watch of it already because what? I, so I binged it twice in the first weekend. You weren't here for these stories. Mm -hmm. I binged it first in the twice weekend, uh, twice in the first weekend, and then Yusuf had. Does it watched have different it. difficulties or yes, something? Yes, it does. Yeah. Uh, I did one with machine gun only, did one with uh, physical damage only. Watch it okay. with the Spanish um, dub and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Did you platinum it? I did. I, I did get the platinum in it. Um, they're sending me a plaque. Uh, it's it's Sweet Tooth's mask. All right. Um, but yeah, and then Yusuf hadn't watched it, so we watched it together again over the last week. Justified. Uh, I'm watching this that. Is, this has been a blast. Thank you all for hanging out and, and chatting. Mitchell, thank you so much for hopping on and talking about all sorts of cool stuff with us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mitchell. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yes, you, buddy. Everybody, please go check you out too. Mitchell's coverage. Lords of the Fallen and also the Vidoc on Evo and stuff. And uh, yeah, just yeah, go watch it. Uh, Mitchell, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jurassic Rabbit. Uh, that's about it. Go say something I'm nice also to on Mitchell. Threads, I guess. Mm -hmm. Without one of those, <laughs> that's the review for Threads. Yeah, Blue Sky, Pinterest, whatever. Bluesky. <laughs> And uh, yeah, you know where to find the rest of us. Uh, thank you all for, for joining us. And I don't know what we're doing next week, but we'll be in Germany. So uh, tune in for all of our Gamescom coverage. Please, we'll be very jet-lagged, very weird, and we hope to have a good time. And on that note, beyond. 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 Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.